I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, the host of the granddaddy, my millennial money, Glenn James. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Nicholas. It's great to be on my show, our show, the show. The yeah, the I like the show. Maybe we should change yes. the name to just the show. The show. That is appropriate for those of you who don't know. Columbus, Ohio has a not very prestigious university, but in trying to bring up their own fodder, they make you say the Ohio State University and not just Ohio State University. Right. Do you have right. any uh, stuck-up unis down there that you want to share a pleb about? Newcastle TAFE. That's what I've been going to. It's not oh, really, really university, more of a technical college. But Nick, we've got to get to it. I was busy this morning working at TAFE, and you're like, let's do an episode for my one-year anniversary. One-year anniversary. So what am I doing here? Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. One year ago, you're floating in my pool, sipping you know, a Diet Coke, you looked over at the whale beached on the side of the pool and said, you know what? That guy would be a great podcast host. And here we are 50 some weeks later. I thought I would bring you on to one, get into your mindset of why you thought that would be a good idea, why you should bring me on. And then I picked out five or six episodes from over the last year, from September to September. And I want to talk about the good, the bad, and there is a little bit of ugly mixed in there as well. Sound good? Sounds great. Perfect. Well, you are listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley, and with Glenn James, let's get into it. Okay, Glenn, first of all, thank you for the, for the last year. It's been a fun year. I've really enjoyed doing a lot more research, I think, than I normally did. When we talked a year ago, I was an active investor, somebody who spent probably too much time focused on my investment portfolio, both retirement side and just trying to generate like weekly and monthly income. And now I'm actually like researching companies. I am diving into the gurus of the world. You know, I'm reading boring books that people (laughs) wouldn't want to read. And it's really, I think it's made me a better human. So thank you, Glenn. Thanks for pulling that out. No worries. And are you moving to Omaha? I'm, I, you know, as many times as I've said Warren Buffett on the show, you'd think he would have listened and given me a call, but not yet. Warren, if you're listening, I will move and I will help you take Berkshire into the future. <laughs> They're a bit old. I mean, United States Congress, every person seems to be 200 years old and stroking every interview. But Berkshire Hathaway, one of the top S&P 500 companies, is run by two dudes that look like they're wearing man diapers for sure. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, and and maybe we need to talk about on an episode like succession planning of 
big companies and you know the risks that are are involved in that and the key person risk. Yeah, uh, actually, as we're recording this episode, Murdoch just stepped down from Fox News. I don't know if if the news has hit that episode yet. Yeah, I, I saw a meme page just today. It's the twenty second of September, everyone, and um, the meme page said Murdoch steps down to focus his energy on just running Australia. <laughs> Yeah, and he's chairman emeritus, and his son is the chairman. The show Succession wasn't truly based on them. It was actually based on the Qualcomm CBS family. But if this doesn't reek Succession, by having your son become the chairman of Fox News, I don't know what does. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about the good, the bad, the ugly of the last 52 weeks. Shows worth noting. So I went through and I cherry-picked a few shows that I thought you'd be interested in talking about that I thought were interesting. And uh, let's just uh, shoot the breeze a little bit about them. Yeah. What's your first one of note? So January 6th, I think I've found out a lot about myself this year that I'm a bit of a perma bear. So like as a millennial, like we've lived through a lot of bad economic times. You know, we saw the tech bubble when we were in school. We had the great financial crisis of 08. We've got COVID. We've all these things, all these, quote, black swan events that keep happening. There's like, how many black swans are there out there? So I think I've become a little bit shocked. So like, I have to force myself to dollar cost average. I have to force myself to stick with a plan or else I'm always just trying to time the market. And in January 6th of uh, this year, I did an episode on recession proofing your portfolio. And that kind of seems like one of those things that everybody was talking about. You know, it caught my attention. I was sitting there waiting for the recession, almost gleefully, like, okay, if we get this recession, that'll be a great buying time. I will admit I withheld a few dollar cost average opportunities because I thought a recession was going to happen. I thought this will be a great time to do a large lump sum. But I was so laser focused and I had like this target in my mind that I thought the S&P was going to fall down to pre-COVID highs. So I'm waiting for the market to hit this pre-COVID high, and I missed the tick by like 10 points or something. And then, of course, it surged 20, 30, 40%, you know, depending on what specific industry you're in. Like the NASDAQ, which I follow quite often, <laughs> just ripped on away. So I was doing this episode January 6th on recession-proofing your portfolio, and like that's just kind of the, that's just the glaring statement of my last year is if you're listening, don't try to time the market. It's time in the market. And we just did an episode about this. But that like that is my takeaway for the year. If I had one thing, stick to your plan. Like you you make a plan, stick to it. Are you good at sticking to your plan, Glenn? I am only because I've learned the hard way. And and one thing like why we want to do this episode and this podcast is to encourage people to keep them focused and you know it's like you, you've got a genuine interest in companies, investing and all that stuff. But I have to, for my own sanity, just set a weekly trade every Wednesday. It's automatic. Every couple of weeks, I put money into the cash account on the platform. And then it's just auto buy into ETFs because I just have to remove myself from it. And the cool thing is like, which we've always discussed is, you know, having that small portion that if we see an opportunity or if we want to do a smash and grab or if you want to do a trade, we can do that with superficial amounts of money to keep us in the game. But I think the problem as well is like 
my personality is, you know, if I get a sniff of dopamine, <laughs> I'm like, I'm all in, baby. And, and that can be disastrous because I end yeah. up wanting to get, you know, make more money. And, and what happens is if you get greedy, like stupidity follows very fast. So I've just learned, I'm just weekly investing into the market, whatever the price is on that Wednesday. Have you started ice bathing yet? Have you taken the the plunge and every morning take your ice bath to get that dopamine hit? No, I'm like I'm not that much of a psychopath. You know the most trusted news source out there, TikTok. I saw something <laughs> the other day. I think it was an Instagram reel, but they say that uh, ice bath gives you the same type of dopamine high that cocaine does, but it lasts for two hours. I would love to record an episode where you're in an ice bath. <laughs> And we just try to hear you talking through the chattering of your teeth. No, nah, no deal. So that first episode that you did... Yeah, like, recession-proof your what, portfolio. Yeah. Like, did you... Like, what were you saying? Like, Yeah, so like it was going over some basics of, one, like recession's not all bad news. It's a great time to buy stocks. It's not great for the economy. It was economy. just market cycles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're in the midst of a market cycle. So, you know... Really, I thought the recession was going to happen. I think everybody thought a recession was going to happen. It hmm. looks like it might be kicked down the can, like inflation's coming down. But you know, OPEC is raising oil rates, like they're cutting production. We've got oil over ninety dollars a barrel again. If it gets to a hundred dollars a barrel, you could be looking at you know people start talking about recessions, and you know, you're going to hear that again. The key episode takeaways were one: just keep dollar cost averaging. Right? We we talked about that. Like stick to your plan. Two, buy defensive stocks. One of those great purchases I should have made was Costco. I specifically talked about Costco on the January 6th episode. It's up 25% so far this year. Uh, they are a company, like companies like that. And I know Costco, I've done the research. There's 15 Costco locations in Australia. You have no reason to not be a beloved member of my store. And uh, so defensive stocks like Costco would be a great buy. You now there's one just out of Newcastle. Glenn, I was at Costco today. I had lunch with my kids. I didn't need anything. We drove to Costco for ice cream because you know we can't get ice cream at our McDonald's here in the States. And we had each had a piece of pizza. Um, I'm just having a look. It's like, I'm just going to see how long it is from my house. To Costco? Yeah. Give it a walk. Because oh, I wonder if they've got ice cream there like they do in America. Oh, it's actually, they've added strawberry. So I can get strawberry vanilla twist and it tastes like strawberry Nesquik. Did you guys ever have that? Like the little powder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. It oh it's, a, it's a 20-minute drive from here. It's just Worth over the it. hill. Yeah, maybe don't walk. But anyway, Costco, great company. Buy companies like defensive companies like Costco. But... Do you invest like in gold ETFs in your portfolio for a bit of like alternate type defensiveness? I prefer digital cold, which I call Bitcoin. <laughs> um, I, I, probably 2007, I bought a gold ETF and mm. they actually held physical gold. And when you are an owner of an ETF, you're an owner of whatever that ETF owns. So therefore... I owned physical gold through the ETF. What I didn't know was that I was going to screw my taxes up. One year later, I get this form from the government going, hey, 
you had physical gold. You needed to fill out this K-1 schedule, blah, blah, blah for your taxes. I had to go back and like redo my taxes because I had like an $18 appreciation of physical gold assets. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I don't, I don't want to deal yeah, with gold. So that must be a weird carve out in the States because our equivalent um, ETF for gold here, G-O-L-D by Global X, who is a supporter of the main show, they... Yeah, they, they're backed by physical gold, but there's no weird carve out. Like it's just all captured in the ETF price. If you own a company that mines gold, you're fine. But if you own a co- yes. an ETF that like, in, if you have an account, it's not that big of a deal. But anyway, that, that burned me. I've moved on to digital. So I do have smaller Bitcoin positions. You know, buying Bitcoin again now that everyone's not talking about it. Do you know the advantage? I was talking um, with Vince and the Equity Mates boys on the main show the other day. And we were talking about like the Bitcoin ETF. Yeah. You know the advantage of that? Can you think of one advantage? I know you can do options on it. Yes, but like in terms of if it's similar to like these gold ETFs where there is physical like assets behind it, there is a, um, there's less risk for you to hold Bitcoin on an online wallet of getting it stolen. Oh, right. So yeah, they may somebody would have to they might have it in cold storage. BlackRock yeah. or Schwab yeah. or whoever. Yeah. And it's their problem if it gets stolen. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> when we cross yeah. that bridge. <laughs> exactly. They're like, oops, uh, ran out of money. Yeah. Okay, so that was that was episode one. Uh recession proof for portfolio, January sixth. Good episode if you didn't hear it. Give it a listen. Uh episode number January two. January sixth before you're in DC, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's basically a holiday around here. <laughs> Man, I hope no one follows American politics. I was not <laughs> I was not at DC. This is not being recorded from prison. Uh the next episode was What Do the Gurus Expect? Which I like a lot because I pulled five different clips from the internet of different gurus, people making their predictions. Some of them weren't just like they were high end net worth client um like Morgan Stanley, for instance. So Morgan Stanley sent out this 2023 outlook to their high net worth clients. They emailed this out. They said the 10-year treasury yields will end 2023 at 3.5%, uh, which they're wrong. That would have been bad on the 14-year high. They they definitely screwed that one up. They liked mortgage-backed securities, which is what brought down the global financial housing crisis in 2008. So don't really love that they were pushing that. They thought the S&P 500 would tread water and end the year around 3,900. Now listen, it's possible but it's like 4350 right now so you're look if they're right you're going to have a great buying opportunity because the market's going to fall you know another 350 400 points which mm. would not be a great way to end the year so for that to happen in the next 3 months is unlikely but we'll see what happens looks like they've got a little egg in their face right now with that particular call and then they said but that like the, the dollar is going to drop quite a bit, which, as you know, you're about to come over to the States. The dollar is doing unfortunately strong for you, and everything is expensive. Yeah, and I think the lessons I've learned in life in general, no one knows what's going on. Nobody knows. But people make a lot of money guessing. Mm, yeah. So like most economists and uh, money people, it's like – they would probably fit in at a, a weatherman conference. 
weather, Congress, he can do whatever he wants there. Yeah, like, because it's like, there's no real accountability. It's like, oh, it's going to rain today and it didn't rain. It's like, oh, okay, you're wrong. Yeah, we give it a shot. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure they're. They reckon if if you had six economists, what do they say? You'd get like eight opinions and they'd probably all be wrong. Yeah. Do you know, do you know Bill Ackman, young hedge fund mm. manager guy? Yes. I don't know if he sways over it. He is. Uh, no. He made, what was it, like $3 billion in like one month during the COVID crash. Like he was just shorting all the right stuff. And he's a very known, you know, investor for, he's like the modern, like people are calling him possibly the next Warren Buffett, even though their strategies are totally different. He has this quote, he says, I see no long-term buying opportunities until the very end of 2023. So remain patient, sit on the sidelines, and dollar cost average if you must. And he was quite a bit wrong. Uh, had you mm. invested in any of the markets in January, you're very happy with that particular investment. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you and I both dollar cost average, like with the lion's share of our portfolio, right? Yeah, for sure. But, like, we do also time the market with cash on the sidelines to keep us interested and if we see a buying opportunity that is out of the ordinary. Yeah, and I like to not look at how bad that performing <laughs> that performance is until the end of the year. And then I'm like, dang it, yeah. another year. I should have just dollar cost averaged. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not like, yeah, like my strategy is buy and hold, but I also if the market shats itself one day, then it's like notable difference. Sure, I might move a couple of grand over and get on with my life. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think the whole thing is like the whole timing the market thing, I reckon it is that timing the market means you're trading. So I'm waiting for the, the lowest part to buy and then I'm waiting for the trying to time the peak to sell. But with me, I'm probably only, you know, every week I invest and sure, time the market, if I see a dip or if COVID happens, I'll back up the truck and tip right. it in, but I'm not selling. So it, like I'm just taking advantage of a, an opportunity that day. Yeah, you're just adding in. Like Warren Buffett always says, like, if I buy a stock today. I'm not timing the market. I'm not looking at charts. If I find a company I like or like, you know, the S&P 500, 500 companies you like, he's buying it. And if it goes down, great. I can buy some more at a better price. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So... Bill Ackman, bad decision. Gurus seemingly so far have gotten it wrong. In February, we did an episode that actually, I, I'm very proud of this one because you told me that I inspired you to actually make an investment choice. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Um, the robotics? Semiconductors. Yeah, that's the right. Yeah, that's the one. I did an episode on, like everybody's talking about semiconductors. They had fallen like 40%. Everything was out of favor. You know, I'd already done an episode on like Intel and I was excited about Intel because they were coming to Columbus. And, you know, it's like, is, I think the title of the episode was like, semiconductors is now the time to buy. It turns out it was. <laughs> Had you bought semiconductors in February, which you did, it would have been a good investment. So, yeah. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, I, cause I listen to your podcast every Friday Thank because you. I like to listen to people uh, more boring and dumber than me. Yeah. You to always got to inflate my ego. You, need, you, you, you know, you want the ugly kid to stand by so you look prettier. I get it. That's right. 
no, but I like I I listen to your podcast because I I like what you do and your research and and keeps me encouraged and I'm like oh yeah send me you know so I had a look I had some spare cash so I threw it in and I think like within three or four months it was at like twenty five or thirty percent it was quicker than that. I remember you texting me saying it was hey, hey look at the chart and look at semi and I looked and it was like just below the two hundred day average and you're like I think I'm gonna buy some. And then, yeah, yeah, within like a month or two, you're like, up, oh, made made a buck there. That was fun. I'm like, Dang yeah. So it, that was Global that? Lex, um, S E M I. So what I did when I listened to that episode, I threw money in, and then it went up to like twenty five, thirty percent. I'm like, okay, I'm done, <laughs> and then got out of there. Now, are you at a computer where you can look? Should you have held on to that? Is it still? I got to think it's probably still doing well because every one of those stocks that I talked about is. Almost up fifty percent. The reason I did the smash and grab is because I just didn't want. I just wanted to take my wins, not get greedy, and revert back to my normal portfolio yeah. vibe. You made a chunk. You then re-diversify that over more companies and a more broad-based uh, ETF. So nothing wrong with that. Um, all right, let's have a look. Last six months. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've I've got it here. I literally bought it in. On the eighth of June, and sold on the third of July. <laughs> wow, less than a month. That's a, that is yeah. a quick turnaround. But I think there was like twenty five percent or twenty. Uh, I don't know. It was it was decent enough. So I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I wonder if you sold it. I was listening to an episode of My Millennial Money, and I was actually traveling yeah. in Spain, listening to some episodes, doing a lot of driving, and you had. A very a, somebody smarter than us, like an investment manager, this guy that written a few books, and he said, that "Oh, he had, Ro- uh, Roger Montgomery." Yeah, yeah. He said he had yeah. made some mistakes on holding stocks too long because he didn't want to pay the tax man. And yes. he said he learned a few lessons where, look, if you make a twenty twenty five percent one month, and you know it's not a long term investment, just sell it. I wonder if those mm. time up, like that episode, you heard him. You are like, "Hey, I am up twenty five percent. Maybe I should." Yeah, maybe. Because that was in July. So as an example, I purchased it for like $11.20, right? The price today is $11.18. Oh, man. You you are so, so it's smart. it's sideways. Everyone, oh. email Glenn for all investment. I- no, but this is the whole thing, everyone. Like I'm still under the illusion that that was luck and that was chance. Like, And I'm under the illusion that I helped you become a more successful wealthy person (laughs) (laughs) so i can pay for fincon for you next year that this goes to my biggest regret of the year are you ready for it yeah 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 we should probably take a break and then we'll talk about it oh actually actually nick 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 no 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 i i'm confused oh i i thought it didn't add up i scrolled back a year because you talked about semi in february right yeah i mean when you said june i was just gonna let it slide because those dates yeah sorry no, I purchased it on the 17th of February for like $9 and then sold it for like $12 on the 4th of July. Yeah, so a little bit of a longer hold, but you still yes. still flipped it fairly quick. I mean, that's a swing trade, you know, you would call it. Yeah. The episode aired February 17th. You like you bought it like the day of the episode. <laughs> I bought it that day. You bought it. You're like listening <laughs> to it, making investment decisions. I actually warn people, don't do that. Listen to the podcast if I you like an idea, then 
research. These are ideas, not investment advice. Yeah. So I, look, it was just an idea that I was like, I like the sound of that. And then I'm looking at the chart and then basically, so I bought it in February and then in May, there's a big hockey stick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, bought it for yeah $9, sold it for 12 And now it's down, it's about 12 also, so great. And yeah, yeah. All right, listen, let's take a quick break and then I want to come back and I want to talk about my biggest regret on not taking action in 2023. We'll wrap up with some final words. We'll be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are talking with Glenn James. This is the one-year anniversary episode of Nick Bradley hosting My Millennial Investor. It's been a great year. We've been going over the successes, the fails. And now I want to talk about my biggest regret. We just talked about you making money off of one of my episodes. Now let's talk about me not making money off of one of my episodes. My biggest regret was not taking action on what was probably a very obvious idea at the time. And I do actually, a lot of times when I'm doing these episodes and I research, like I sometimes I do talk myself into it. I'm like, legitimately, that was a, that's a good idea. I should start doing that. Like if I wasn't already. And most of the time I tell people like, I do not have a position in this company or I'm doing this particular thing. A lot of the times, you know, I'm doing like a cash secured put with options on a company. This one, I was like, everybody's talking about AI. It, we're in the middle of a bear market, like nothing positive's going on. I did a, is now the time to buy AI? This was March 17th. And guess what? That was the time to buy AI. Semiconductors and AI are going kind of hand in hand a little bit, but semiconductors were based, you know, NVIDIA is the biggest one that has just gone gangbusters since that episode. NVIDIA is up 78% since March 17th. Uh, they're actually up more than that throughout the year. So by March, it kind of seemed like the hype had already happened. Like the move within AI, it was going to be, mm. you're late to the party, right? You're jumping in three months late. NVIDIA is already up 30 or 40% in a bad market. It was like the market was looking for a reason to dump money into something. And it just seemed like AI was like that fluff. It was almost like when Facebook changed their name to Meta and then Facebook just started losing lots of money, like copious amounts of money because they were kind of late to the metaverse play. Like everybody had already talked about Meta, like the whole world of crypto based around the metaverse was already seemingly happening and 
Facebook was late, and then Facebook stock just took a huge hit when they did that. I kind of thought the same mm. thing was happening with AI. It's like you've got three months. AI is like the only positive story out there. It's going to slow down. Well, it didn't. In doing my research, like I was like kind of talking to myself, like God, it does seem good, but I don't want to be like the guy that has FOMO investing, which is it's like that is one of my tendencies. Like I will. I'll get fear of missing out, and then I'll like make a bad purchase decision. Is that like me listening to your podcast about a semi? <laughs> well, it seemed to work out though. <laughs> Se- semis were down though. That that's actually the thing. Like the semiconductors were down at that episode. When I mm. did this episode for AI, everything was already up, and uh, should have. And I didn't go into AI after listening to you. Yeah, you you kind of sold your only possible AI play because semiconductors do go along with AI, but. Mm. These specific companies I talked about, and I'd be flying first class to my next destination and not budget air that I'm currently going to be buying. Microsoft bought ChatGPT, one of the best acquisitions of all time. Microsoft's up 21. Google, who tried to roll out the competitor for ChatGPT, do you remember when they had like their big sales presentation and bared... And it was like attacking the world or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we will come and get you. And then their stock tanked. Well, they're doing well. Google's up 44% since that episode. Tesla, which has like AI because of their automated driving, they're using all the data they're collecting from all of the uh, electric drivers. They're up 46%. NVIDIA is up 78% since that episode. They're up over 100% on the year. And then Meta, who was like trying to be the little dog that wasn't. They're like pretending they're doing AI. Just by pretending, they're up 50% since March. Are you, like, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think there's maybe a little bubble brewing with these tech stocks? When you look at like the fundamentals of NVIDIA, it, I think I even said this on an episode a few weeks ago, they have to make $21 future revenue for every dollar you invest in NVIDIA. So if you drop $100 in NVIDIA, you're saying, I'm going to get $21 back for every dollar I put into NVIDIA. And that's a mm. big ask for a company. Like I know that their their conductor chips are being purchased by the Saudis, but the Saudis are also buying entire golf organizations. So <laughs> they've got money to throw around. Like... NVIDIA just seems too hot to handle. Microsoft and Google had a bit of a fall in 2022. So even them being up 21 and 44, I still think they're going to be okay. But Tesla, I've always been waiting for them to fall. And they continue to go up. It's like the little kid that can't. It's like, I mean, say what you will about Elon and his change of Twitter, which is now who knows X or something. He's, I'm going to delete my X account. I already did. Beat you to it. Boom. Really? He's oh, buy- that's why I'm not getting notifications of memes sent to me every day. Yeah. I've joined the full-on Instagram-only fan club, I guess. But, so I've actually got a question about um, your uh, holdings. Or do you want to finish your little recap, your little cute recap? Oh, hey, that's it. Let's get into it. A little Q&A. So you said like your broad-based portfolio is an S&P 500 ETF, so the SPY. Yes. And the top 100... NASDAQ. NASDAQ. The QQQ, yeah. Yes. So basically in Australia, 
There's an ETF that Global X have that have just come out because we were talking about it when we had them on the show. It's called the N100. I think that's the equivalent of your QQQ, which is basically invest in the top 100 of the largest non-financial companies listed on the US market. So my question to you is, you're basically going, yeah, I'll do S&P 500 and then I want a concentration of top 100 tech. Yeah, and there's definitely- like, Is that some, what you're saying? There's some overlap there. Because you've got overlap. You've got some big overlap there. So you're just saying you want extra concentration on the NASDAQ. And when you look at like the breakdown of that, the S&P 500 is a much more substantial position that gets probably 75% of the, my money goes into S&P. And then the QQQ gets a lot of my current dollar cost averaging kind of love mm. if you're looking at that. And what are you doing for your international exposure? Uh, I was doing IXUS by uh, iShares. And yep. now I've given up on the on the rest of the world, if, if I'm being honest right now. I mm. have sold out of that position. I am in the S&P 500. I am in the NASDAQ 100. I've got some oil exposure through one of my darlings, Devon Energy, DVN. Did an episode mm. on DVN and Oxy before. And when you look at the last, I mean, I'm not, not including Australia, but like one of the major market, you're just trying to exclude America and you're getting international yeah. exposure. So IXUS is the ticker symbol of this ETF. And it's like a broad base holds like two or 3,000 companies that are international based. And it's up like 1.5% over the last five or 10 years. It's like, yeah. it is a flat line. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's an anomaly. I had some international or some emerging market exposure earlier in the year, and it went down, and then it kind of came back up. And I was like, okay, the inter the world's not ready for emerging markets to really take off yet because emerging markets go opposite of the QQQ. So mm. when growth in America is the story, American companies and institutions are dumping money into the NASDAQ 100, when it mm. seems like that could slow down, they're looking for where else could there be hyper growth and they start putting money into emerging markets. Well, that didn't happen. I thought that might happen this year. It didn't happen. So then I kind of bailed. So kind of shot me on both sides. So did you end up, remember how I texted you and said, listen to the episode with Gemma Dale on my podcast? Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah. D do you remember the text or remember the episode after you listened to it? <laughs> I remember the text. <laughs> okay. So listen to that episode because she's an investment professional and she was saying uh, her and her husband, they've got an active ETF into India. Okay. What's your thoughts about India? Uh, well, I've traveled there quite a few times. So I know- No, but I mean like because it's, it's of, one of the biggest populated countries in the world, if not yeah. the one, isn't it? it? It It currently is the most populated country in the world. Yeah, they passed China earlier. It is hmm. such an interesting market that, like, f to get companies like Apple and um, Ford, Chrysler, like big, big global companies, you have to have an Indian sponsor. So, like, Apple just this year had their first store open up in India because they didn't play the game. Like, where yeah. Toyota, to sell a Toyota car in India, they had to be like, NAV Toyota. So it was like NAV was the Indian company, and I'm making this up, but 
Like yeah. you had basically get an Indian company to sponsor your ability to open up true stores in India. So it's still a bit of a weird market that I think a lot of people are going to have a time, have a hard time really getting in because even as the broader world makes more money, like currently, and I think the current fall of China, kind of the slowdown in China is proving this. Like America is still, we know how to spend money like nobody else. We're the we're the greediest consumers out there, so they still need a lot of American companies and, to pour money in. Yeah, and I think that's why, well, like one of the reasons with India, why she has gone active because you need someone to actually sift out. Oh yeah, the wheat from the chaff, but also like you know I've kind of been influenced by. A faller, a former fallen fundy here in Australia, and his whole play was, we would rather get into India and China through the S and P five hundred because, you know, Apple opens in India, money will flow back to right, yeah, Apple, and there's less corruption, uh, more accountability, more corporate governance, and all that to do it that way. And same with like Yum Foods in China. Oh yeah. Yum foods. Um, Man, now I'm going to want to give you some KFC. Mm, Got to love that, Kern. Now, we we should leave it there, but at the top of the episode, you're saying you, you're on this like whole speech about, oh, it's my one year anniversary and all that. I was waiting for the like, and I'm announcing to Glenn live that this is my last ever episode. I was waiting for you to send over the birthday cake. Mm. Anniversary. Well, game. I'll um, I'll take you out for dinner in uh, New Orleans. So when is this episode going up? Let's call it next week. Let's do a pre-FinCon yeah. launch. Yeah. So this this episode will go up before October, if not the first week of October. Nick and I are going to FinCon, so we'll do some episodes up there. Uh, I'll bring my gear, Nick. So if you meet anyone fun that you want to do some episodes with in FinCon, we can do that. That'd be great. And we are working on our book project, which we've we've signed, but we're still writing, aren't we, Nicholas? Well, you're writing your part. I feel like I might be completely done. I'm ready to go. Let's bring in the editors. <laughs> or we will do a lot of writing at FinCon. Yeah, so we're going to New Orleans like three or four days before FinCon so we can work together and, and write this investing book. It is good. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I do think it's going to be a good book. I feel like yeah, we bring enough sarcasm and a slight bit of knowledge that it will be a fun, usable, approachable book. I think we still need to work on the name. I'm not 100 percent sold. Yeah, don't drop the name yet. You were the one that I came won't. up with the name, I think. So we'll we'll play paper rock scissors to see who gets to name of the book. Like, do you do it? You know those books that they've got the title like I don't know how to have better sex. That's the title and it's like an investing. Sexy book. investing. Yeah, like how to have better sex. Well, you invest and you have lots of money and you've got less stress in your life and everyone's more happy and then that leads to, you know. I'm sold. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about something creative. Now my wheels are spinning. I, I, I'm not a good enough sensor to start throwing names out on the whiteboard right now. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to do this off microphone. Yeah, we will. But um, yeah, thanks for a great year. We'll um, we'll do some more in the in the next year. If you've got any things you want Nick to talk about, just I don't know, email us. Yeah, Jump onto the My on Millennial the, Money website. Yeah, post some stuff the on the Facebook group. page. Yeah, 
that Nick's never in. I am when I get tagged. Tag me, Nick Bradley, and I it'll beat my pocket, and I will take a look. Mm, love it. All right, well, bit of fun. Um, oh, there was just one question. Do you keep your tomato sauce in the fridge or in the cupboard? Is it opened or closed? Like you've opened it, you've been using it. Oh, fridge for sure. Once I've opened it, right. I put it right. in the fridge. Full disclosure, yeah. tomato sauce gives me wicked heartburn, and I very rarely eat things with tomato sauce. Mm. But you call it ketchup anyway, don't you? Oh, is that what you're talking about? Ketchup? Yeah. I was like picturing like pasta sauce. No, and this is this is why you've got to move to Australia. Are you still living in America? Why aren't you here yet? I'm, I heard it's hard to get into that country. It is. Wonderful ketchup. country. Great people. What do you do with ketchup? Ketchup. I personally keep my ketchup that my kids put on their chicken nuggets in the refrigerator. That's the one. Right. I do see it on tables at restaurants all the time. I'm just assuming they're going through so much of it that it doesn't matter, but... As you know, I buy everything at Costco. I've got a huge jug, and it's in the fridge. I've just got a theory that there's enough sugar and salt in it, it would probably last 20 years. Yeah, you could take that on the show alone with you and like live off of ketchup. You'd be fine. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, um, hey, we'll leave it there. Do you want to end the show? Because I get into like the end mode. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. Thanks for joining us. And everybody, this is not the last episode. I will be back next week bringing you some more information on My Millennial Investor, the show where I search and sometimes Glenn searches the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. This has been With Glenn James. We'll see you next week. Bye. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license.